So you, you met me at a party and said, what do you do, Gary? And I said, well, I work in OD. You'd say, what the hell's that? And you'd be right. And how do you explain it? I'm not sure you can. Could you explain what OD is? You could say that my role is to help organisations change and organisations improve, but then the follow-up question would be, and how do you do that? And there's no way in a couple of minutes that I'd be able to keep your attention and avoid you going off to talk to somebody else at that party. (laughs) That's Gary Cookson. He's an HR with years of organisational design and development experience. And he's right. There's a lot of confusion about OD, what it is, what it does. In the early days, it was mostly academic territory. There was really very little out there in the way of understandable texts or tools that practitioners could use. Now, though, that is all changing and OD is evolving fast, driven by all the other changes affecting work and the workplace. Here's Warren Howlett. He's the CIPD's head of content. OD is on people's minds and it's driven by the massive shifts that we've seen in the workplace. We've seen it in automation of production we've seen it in the services sector now in the white collar workplace we're seeing automation and cognitive process automation of white collar jobs and we're potentially starting to move into the exponential part of the change curve and it's no wonder that organizations rate building the organization of the future as their top priority in in recent business surveys So that's driving interest in this as a field. Obviously, in the past, it's been a very academic discipline. Now, as you say, it's coming much more onto the ground in organisations of all sorts. It definitely has changed. I think one of the most interesting things um, that that has evolved in organisation design and development is a greater availability of of good information, good guidance, good resources and tools for organisation design and development. So there's uh, an opportunity for... um, people who are not necessarily specialists to get involved in organisation design and development. And educate themselves. Yes. Warren is very focused on all this right now because the CIPD thinks that OD is even more important now than it's ever been. But do organisations themselves actually know that? And how much do they understand about how to use OD? Sidi Sharp is a business transformation consultant. Her work is all about helping organisations redesign how they operate. Now, like Gary, she has a lot of on-the-ground experience with a very wide range of corporate and public sector clients. I asked both of them how OD works. So as an OD consultant, how does the process usually work? The best, obviously, the best level to be brought in at is when they are trying to say, we want to change direction, we know we need to, to, to change but we're not quite sure how to do that. And the worst? (laughs) The worst is, uh, we've done this, come on in and help us make it work. Ah. (laughs) Which is kind of putting the plaster over it, really. I'm Gary Cookson, and I'm the director of Epic HR. So when organisations come to you, what sort of tasks do they tend to ask you to organise for them? Well, when I was in-house as an HR and OD practitioner, it tended to be larger scale OD projects so I worked for 12 years at a housing association I was head of HR there and some of the large scale OD projects that I dealt with in that time would have been organizational restructures uh, business process re-engineering work a move of head office location and consolidation of a lot of different offices into one culture change and, and embedding new values a merger of two organizations and wholesale changes to terms and conditions. So that's just a flavour of some of the things. 
So what sort of tasks do organisations have in mind when they call you in specifically? Usually it's triggered by your typical areas of pain, such as having to shave a significant amount of money off their operating budgets, mm-hmm. um, or there's been quite a lot of transformation in the sector in terms of competitors, a significant shift in operating technology platforms, those sorts of things. So they're, they're normally brought upon them by a change in external circumstances or finances. So sometimes you, you're lucky enough to have a burning platform, and if you have, then that galvanises the organisation to some degree and enables everybody to get behind the particular change that you're trying to drive and, and bring into the organisation. But where you haven't got that... Where you've you, got a cold start. Yeah, where well you've got a cold start and you're doing something because you think it's a good or the right thing to do, that becomes quite difficult to try and build enough momentum and get that guiding coalition together to try and establish a real foothold for change. Yeah, so normally what I will do when I'm particularly managing a large organisation design project is spend the first probably four to six weeks doing nothing other than just getting to know the business. So, and how do you do that? So I, I literally immerse myself in the business. Physically? <laughs> Physically immerse myself in the business. So um, I've done some work with tarmacking firms where I've actually gone out on the front line how to tarmac the roads and operate the machinery. It's a useful and, skill. Yeah, absolutely. It did me wonders on my driveway. What stage did you get to the point where you, where you start designing a strategy, a way yeah. forward? So I wouldn't even start designing until I have tried to spend quite as much time as possible with the mid-level managers. Because the challenge is, if you start designing, you come in with those preconceptions in your head around this is what the organisation needs, it shows on one level or another, and the mid-level managers say, well, you've made your mind up already, what's the point anyway? You're going to do it to me. So they feed into the process. They do, absolutely. You draft yeah. up So ideas. you draft up. So a lot of the, the, the approaches I tend to take with large organisations is collaborative working groups, sort of quantitative surveys, telephone interviews, those sorts of things, as well as actually sitting alongside and doing a week in the life of senior managers for example but the reason why I do that is if the high level boardroom and the business and the chief execs and the management team are saying this is the state of our business these are the problems we have this is how ready our people are for this kind of a change it's really being able to kind of shine a true mirror up to those perceptions because sometimes they're on point and other times actually there is a massive chasm between the boardroom's view of that and the the frontline realistic pragmatic view of that should we say and how about measuring success measuring outcomes depends what you're trying to achieve i've cited five or six different projects that i've been involved in but they'd all have different success criteria so i don't think you can say they're a common success criteria because it's highly specific and contextual but in terms of expectations um management expectations of you know what a successful od process looks like what what do they tend to ask you for they tend to ask for metrics that you can measure before and after, and they will tend to be things like engagement rates. They might be things like attrition rates, absence rates, so some of the more traditional HR indicators. But then it's okay to get those, and you will have that those bits of data in, as an HR director. It's fine to, to have those. But that's not enough to measure the success of the OD initiative. So you need to look at other things too and have... Like, like a balanced scorecard approach. What sort of things? Financial measures, productivity measures, performance measures, as well as the, the HR measures. Skipping lightly over the very difficult <laughs> part of implementation, because obviously that's going to vary from organisation to organisation, 
What do your clients expect from you in terms of outcomes? Because obviously one of the great sacred cows of OD is that 70% of the interventions actually do nothing or mm-hmm. indeed can create harmful outcomes. What do they expect from you there? I think the biggest thing that a lot of organisations will expect from OD these days is to see a marked change in the way that the organisation feels as well as looks. How do you measure that? Exactly. And um, again, I know measuring the effectiveness of OD interventions is always a hot topic. And I guess the challenge here is sometimes trying to manage their expectations. Say, you came to me saying that your organisation isn't as effective as it needs to be because it feels like it's broken because it feels like there's conflict it feels like the culture is wrong you know you've got anecdotal stories that will support that you know it's not completely kind of in the air but you have almost kind of feelings and perceptions based evidence that brought you to me so therefore don't discard that feelings and perceptions based information after the OD. Do clients have expectations of measurable financial outcomes? Yes most of the time as I say because it is often triggered by the need to reduce (laughs) operational costs rightly or wrongly that is often the expectation and is OD in a position to say yes we can do that I think OD is certainly in a position to say I can help you achieve that but actually whether or not these things bed in whether or not the processes succeed all of those sorts of things it requires ongoing management so I think this is the other thing with a lot of OD from an external consultancy perspective it's really important that when you're going in to do that with your client you do it with them because what you don't want is obviously the second that you leave that it's like oh well it's it's done now we can just go back to business as usual so rather than having to do the old change approach of unfreeze change and then refreeze and we'll be safe for the next five or six years everything is moving way too quick to be able to do that you need to learn to embrace change as the constant Early in her career, Dr Naomi Stanford worked for big multinationals like Pricewaterhouse, BA, Marks & Spencer and Xerox. Now she's recognised internationally as a leading OD thinker, practitioner and author. Now when we met, I asked her about tech, which is now playing an increasingly interesting role in the field. So, for example, if you have good organisational data on people's capabilities, their pay scales, who they report to, you can then start feeding that data into manipulable form. So that if you say we want to downsize 10% in Coventry and relocate people to somewhere else, what would that look like in terms of spend, in terms of people's reporting lines, in terms of the capabilities that we would need to develop? And it really speeds up the process and allows you to model different scenarios. So you can say, we want to downsize in um, Coventry, but you might say, but maybe maybe we could also downsize in Bristol. And then you can compare the two. As you say, the outcomes you get from that depend on the quality of the Correct. data you That's feed right, into yes. it. But yeah. I mean, I must say, I was surprised that that hadn't been going on already because <laughs> it seemed like a kind of common sense use of technology. But you also told me about something which I hadn't thought of, which was the idea that you could model specifics around individual people and their networks tell me a bit about that's that that's right so there are there is a lot of work going on on social network mapping and organizational network mapping now you can map and the technology is sophisticated on this by tracking voicemail 
email, text messaging and what have you from one organisational individual to another. So you can build up very complex networks of individuals who they're interacting with. And there is some method, I don't quite know how they do it, to, to filter out the football conversations and just make it work <laughs> conversations. So this rests on the idea that if you move Helen from job role A to job role B, she'll lose the network she currently uses in job role A because it won't necessarily be relevant, so she won't be as effective. And then what it then moves to, That's right. what can the organisation do to assist her to build a new network? Yes, well, there are a couple of things. If you're looking at specific individuals, which inevitably it boils down to at some point in a design, though I do try and emphasise roles, not people. If you start to say, well, would Helen be better than George in this pose? Then you can start to look at the networks and then you can start to say, well, if she's been here X number of years and has built up that, extensive network in the organization and and to contacts outside is is it going to be useful in the role we're thinking of putting her in has she got the skills and capabilities to develop another network as quickly as soon as you disrupt someone's network you've disrupted their ability to act in in the role you can't automatically assume that because someone is good in one job they're going to be good in a similar even a similar job because they're that doesn't take into account the network they have to have to do the job. I think this is really interesting. The question it immediately flags in my head though is ethics, because this That's draws right, on yes. very personal data, yes. doesn't it? And a willingness to give it. That's right. You can actually do some of the work just by wandering around, seeing who's talking to people or seeing what's Observation. going on. Yeah, that's right, yes. And right now, as the CIPD develops its professional standards framework for the HR community, OD is set to play a very significant role in that roadmap. Here's Warren again. Well, as, as the CIPD, um, we're, the, we're the professional body for, for all of the people profession, um, not just HR. So OD&D is increasingly important for us as an organisation. It's one of our uh, one of our most popular areas for information resources. I think what's also really interesting is that we're starting to see perhaps uh, broader interest in organisation design development that, than we've had in the past. I think what we are still finding is that there is a huge amount of confusion about what OD&D actually is and where it lives in terms of responsibility for driving it. What are your thoughts on that? I think as we think about people professionals more broadly, um, let's take HR generalists for example. HR generalists are very often the gatekeepers of data around people within their individual business unit and also uh, connecting that to the organisation. They often have a really good um, knowledge around the system within their business unit from a people perspective and then how that connects with other systems within the organisation. So if you're an organisational design specialist, you might be coming into the organisation or already be in the organisation and have the knowledge, skills and behaviours of, of that profession, but it's actually within parts of the HR function that there are individuals who can best enable and support that organisational design professional in doing their job. So there's an important synergy, I think, between the two that often gets perhaps um, misunderstood. And it's not a competition between one or the other. They need to work together. And obviously in the real world, in smaller organisations particularly, and in straightened financial times for everyone, often there is no OD specialist in the room, is there? It's HR who are expected to to meet those objectives. I I think that is a harsh reality. Um, And it may be the HR person that's having to get involved in those types of activities. So a real area of focus for HR in terms of developing themselves. Absolutely. And that's reflected in how we're thinking about our new professional standards framework. Yeah. So this is a big change for us. We are um, building the professional standards framework for the future of the profession. 
Um, it's been a couple of years of work in the making. And what we've identified is that organization design and development needs to be a greater area of focus for us moving forward. So it will be its own specialism area within the professional standards framework on its own. Yeah, that's interesting. So much more emphasis on OD&D. And when is that coming to pass? So we are drafting the standards at this point in time, working with experts in the, in the relevant fields and pressure testing them with a small audience. We'll be going out to a broader audience across the summer and then looking to launch towards the end of the calendar year. So, you know, in terms of the new um, professional standards framework, obviously it's a work in progress right now, but what can we expect in broad terms? So within the context of the professional standards framework, organisation design development will have an area of specialism that's similar to how we focus on HR and L&D today. So it's a big shift for us as, as the CIPD. And... As the CIPD, we will need to support and enable organisation design and development professionals. So we've got a whole schedule of work around um, additional information resources, events, training development that we are scheduled to build over the next 12 to 18 months. So that's very good news, isn't it, for all those people listening to this who are sitting in organisations thinking, I don't have budget necessarily for an OD external practitioner to come in and, and help me do this. But if they do, it's from what you're saying, it's going to equip them to work better with that person. Absolutely. I think what we're not looking to do in organisation design and development as a CIPD is to in any way replace or displace what organisation design and development specialists do in their roles. And what we would like to do is to raise awareness more broadly across the people profession of some aspects of organisation design and development so people professionals can better enable and support better decisions about organisation design and development. The OD Residential Summer School is running in London this month and it's in Edinburgh in September. Warren will be hosting an OD conference in October, so if this does sound like something you need to know more about, book your place and check out the fact sheets on OD&D on the website in the meantime. If you'd like an OD qualification to shine up your resume, the CIPD offers short courses like the Advanced Award in OD&D. Now, handily, you can do that one in modules throughout the year or fast-track it in five consecutive days. Thanks to Warren and this month's other guests, Sadie Sharp, Gary Cookson and Dr Naomi Stanford. Thanks for listening.